again. And now let's sing 159, 159, sooner or later, 159. One fifty nine. Sooner or later, the skies will be bright, tears will be all wiped away. Sooner or later, they come in the light, night will be turned into day. Sooner or later, tears will have flown, sunshine and gladness will see. Sooner or later, before you this morning and we ask now that you take each part of this service and be honored and glorified in it. We ask you to work in our hearts that you would draw us closer to you. And of course, Lord, one of our greatest prayers is that we would pray for those that might be in our midst that do not know you as their Savior, that today would be the day that they would find the peace that comes by surrendering their all to you and having your salvation. We ask that you would work in hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remain standing for the next song. Amen. Now let's turn to 124, 124. Kneel at the cross, 124. Kneel at the cross. Christ will meet you there. Come while he waits for you. Jesus. 
song this morning, 375, 375. It is well with my soul. Amen. 375. When peace like a
amen, and you may be seated. Amen, and take your Bibles if you would, and let's turn to John chapter 15. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture this morning, and just be trying to put some things together. This is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, that does not mean it's the beginning of summer, all right? Summer doesn't start until June uh, 22nd, technically. Uh, That is the beginning of the summer season, but... Memorial Day, for most of us in this country, has now become uh, a, uh, the symbol for the beginning of the party time, which is called summer. And uh, have you ever wondered how that thing works? When you're a little kid, you're in school, and you get summers off, and then as you become an adult, they take that away from you. And, uh, uh, and yet... Uh, where school is the thing that is supposed to prepare you for real life. Uh, I get a little tired of that. School, school doesn't prepare you for much. And, and even less as uh, our education standards go down. But Memorial Day is the day that we as Americans have chosen to remember those who have served this country on battlefields all over the face of the earth. In fact, you would have a difficult time finding a place on the earth where American service personnel have not served. Someone said, well, they never fought a battle in Australia. That is absolutely correct, but it was the staging point for the entire Pacific campaign during World War II. Uh, I believe Americans have fought on every continent. And the interesting thing, uh, regardless of Walter Cronkite and Katie Couric and the news media of, of our day, America has done very little by the way of oppression. You say, but, but yet uh, America hasn't done everything correct, of course. But if we were to compare America to the nations of the world, the Russians were not in Afghanistan to give the Afghan people their own government. Uh, The communists were not in Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos to give freedom to the people of those nations unless you consider a skull in the killing fields as freedom. I am an American. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not always proud of everything America has done. But when I compare her to the nations of the world, I'm glad I live in this one. How many would say amen to that? This is the weekend that we have chosen as a nation to commemorate those who gave their lives to give us the freedom that we have. There are many nations that have monuments to their dead, to great heroes that shape the destiny uh, of that nation. 
But I would challenge you to find a cemetery east of the Mississippi that's been in operation for over 150 years that doesn't have a marker in that cemetery to someone who died in the Civil War. It's hard to imagine 600, over 600,000 Americans died in the Civil War. You know why? Because both sides were Americans. Even though one side was desiring not to be. Have you ever met anybody still fighting the Civil War? Every once in a while I'll meet one. And one of their favorite little sayings is, The South's going to do it again. Have you ever seen those bumper stickers? Uh, this is what you tell them. Say, I just don't understand this. The South's going to do it again. Why would anyone want to lose twice? The simple truth of the matter is, you can memorialize, and there were Christians on both sides in the Civil War, but those who fought for the issue of slavery were wrong. That's all there is to it. And that's one of the reasons why they lost. God has a hand in these things. The price of liberty is high. It cannot be purchased without blood. As we learned in the Civil War, I mean in the Vietnam era, you cannot maintain freedom with a conscripted or a forced army. The blood that is sacrificed must be willingly laid down in order that freedom may be preserved. We have one of the most able, unbelievably complex and capable militaries that the world has ever seen. Our military personnel can do things that just are beyond our imagination. And by the way, do we have anyone here who has served in the military? Uh, if you have, what we're going to ask you to do, we don't do this often around here, but if you have served, we're going to ask you to stand and we're going to give you a hand of applause. Can we do that? Now, I know there's a couple. Come on. You've got to do it. You are there. We have Brother Ding. You stand up. I know it was the Philippines, but you stand up, all right? Amen. Thank you very much for your service. And uh, I wish we had more that had served in our midst. I had to make a choice as a 16-year-old man. I, I wanted to become an officer in the Marine Corps. But the Lord intervened and called me to be a preacher. And I've often said I think both the Marine Corps and I have benefited by the right decision to serve the Lord as a minister because I wouldn't do the Marine Corps any good if God didn't want me there. But uh, we had the privilege of taking Brother Bodokoff and his family. We got to tour the USS New York uh, down at Staten Island Pier. And, and uh, 
It was just amazing to walk on that ship knowing that some of the steel from the Twin Towers had been actually molded into the bow of that ship. I think Andrew got a t-shirt that said uh, 250,000 tons of New York attitude, the USS New York. Uh, I kind of like that. But what I want us to do today, and of course, it it is right for us to give honor to whom honor is due. And those that have served this nation deserve our honor and our respect. Amen? But have you ever wondered where this idea came from? You see, we understand this truth that men have given their lives so that we can enjoy freedom because of the man of this book who gave his life that all may be free from the bondage of sin. You can drive up the... Oh, I can't even remember what they call it. I guess they call it Shore Boulevard now, right there by the water, Astoria Park. And there's a monument to the soldiers from World War I. And this verse that we're going to start with today is printed right on that. Uh, John chapter 15 and verse 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, we could tell the stories of people who gave their lives so that others could go free so that others could continue the battle. But there are many, many, my mind always goes to those military cemeteries where they just have those little white crosses. I think of the pictures I've seen of the one that's just over the cliff behind the Normandy beaches where they buried thousands of American service personnel who gave their lives to defeat the evils of Nazism. And yet we have those running around today saying that it wasn't that bad. All I do is challenge you to go visit the cemetery, read the names. And understand that if those men did not die there, we would not be free today here. But this truth in our society of honoring those that died to make us free came because our society, America, this country, was founded upon the Scriptures. It was not founded on denominational diatribe. It was founded upon the words of this book called the Bible. It was not founded upon ethnic tradition, but upon the Scriptures. It was not founded on the yearning of the human spirit. Oh, that one makes me angry. The yearning of the human spirit comes from a deceitful, above all things, and desperately wicked heart. This country was founded upon the words of this book called the Bible. 
Even men who were not born again, who did not truly understand all the words, understood enough about this book called the Bible that they staked their lives upon the principles that it taught. I often use this one quote to illustrate the truth. How many remember uh, Mr. Payne, the writer of the pamphlet Common Sense? He was really a formative founder of this nation. That one pamphlet called Common Sense was read by, quote-unquote, if you listen to the news media, illiterate and ignorant rabble that made up the colonies at that time and organized them into a fighting force that was willing to stand against the most powerful nation on the face of the earth, Great Britain at that time, and win. Common sense was the motivational pamphlet of the revolution. But Thomas Paine was an avowed atheist. And his greatest life work that he felt was a book that he wrote on how to build a society without God. He thought that he might find a sympathetic ear in Benjamin Franklin, who, though he read the Scriptures, did not live the principles that were therein by any stretch of the imagination. And here was Benjamin Franklin's remark. Burn it. Do not publish this book. For if mankind with the influences of religion is capable of doing all the evil that he does, I cannot imagine what mankind would do without the influence of religion. Mr. Paine then emigrated to France and partook in what was called the French Revolution and died a broken man because the French Revolution did live the principles of Mr. Paine's greatest work and all it brought was death and destruction and tyranny back. The French people came and begged the king to rule over them again. See, that's the difference between a society built on the human yearning of the human spirit and the words of the Holy Scriptures. Yet, I want to tell you today that Jesus laid down His life not for His friends. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5, if you would. Romans chapter 5. And let's look at verse 6 as we begin our reading in Romans chapter 5. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And we've had that illustrated in our history 
many, 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 many times and more times than we could even begin to review in one Sunday morning. And that's a good thing. But the reason we honor those here in this country is because of the example of Jesus Christ who did not die for his friends. He died for his enemies. Because every person who ever lived has broken God's law and therefore became God's enemy. I've heard many people often say, but you don't understand, preacher, I was born a Christian. No, no one is born a Christian. So, but I've always known Christ. No, you have not always known Christ. You must be born again to be a Christian. You must have that moment where you get new life directly from God. In the truth of the issue, we were all born enemies of God. We all have chosen to disregard His laws. We've all chosen our own way. And yet, He died that we may have the ability to choose to come back to Him. It is that willing choice to surrender to Christ was the reason that He died on the cross for us. How many are you glad about that today? Could you say amen? Now I want us to turn back to John chapter 14. And this is our main text for today. John chapter 14. Jesus has just finished the what we call the Lord's Supper. They are walking on their way to Gethsemane. He has told Peter that Peter would deny him three times before the sun came up and that all the disciples would desert him and leave him and run away and hide themselves. He has said, listen, it is a good thing that I go away because if I go away, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he had already given them the promise that He was coming again to take them to be with Him. Now let's look at verse 19. It says, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Jesus was trying to tell the disciples, I'm going to die. There's going to be a little while and the world is not going to see me again. The world did not see the resurrected Christ. Only those that had chosen while He was in His earthly ministry to put their faith in Him saw the resurrected Christ with one notable exception, which was the Apostle Paul, which met him on the road to Damascus. If you're going to believe in Jesus, you're going to believe in Him the same way that many people did 
without seeing the resurrected Christ. It's called faith. Jesus died in our place. The penalty, the wages of sin is death. And we'll take just a moment here. How many of you have gainful employment? I mean, you work a job and you get a paycheck. Uh, You receive a W-2 form. You fill out a W-4 form. Uh, These are government forms. The W stands for wages. Is it right for your employer to allow you to work and then not give you your salary or your promised income? No, there are laws against that in this country. You must be given what you earn. You know what? God has a law. And His law is you must be given what you have earned. You cannot earn heaven, contrary to what the world says. But you sure can earn hell. You earn the internal wrath of a holy God. Every sin we commit puts us under under the wrath of Almighty God. The only thing keeping you from receiving that paycheck was that Jesus Christ died for us while we were fighting against God by living sinful lives. That love is unknown in human existence because nothing in a human being can make that kind of love happen. But God did it for us. But I'm glad that Jesus was not a martyr. Amen? Jesus was not an unfortunate victim of circumstances. Jesus did not only die. The Bible says in the verse that we have just read, Yet a little while the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I Live, ye shall live also. Three days later, Jesus came out of the grave. And by the way, if you've heard any of those silly songs about how the devil thought he had Jesus and how the devil was all upset when Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, Let me me tell you, that's a bunch of foolishness. If the Pharisees understood Jesus' prophecy that He would raise again the third day, don't you think the devil did? He knew what was going on. He knew what was going to happen and He couldn't stop it because He's the devil and because Jesus is God. The debt that Jesus paid for our sins was not paid to the devil. It was not His laws that were broken. 
It was God's laws that were broken. The penalty for breaking God's laws had to be paid to the owner of the laws. That was God. Jesus, as God, was the only one that could fulfill that payment for us. He gave His life that we could go free. And yet He said, because I live, ye shall live also. Now, I don't want to be long this morning. And we should be finished actually a little earlier than normal. But I want us to understand something. The greatest way that we can honor those patriots that have given their lives so that we can have freedom here in the United States is to live and maintain the freedom that they have sacrificed that we may have. When we as an American people put ourselves under bondage and under other laws and under other things, when we as Americans say our judges need to look to Sharia law to find truth, what we're doing is we are dishonoring the dead that died that we may have freedom. When we as Americans take and foolishly put ourselves in debt for no other reason than we think we can do so because we have the power to print our own money and the world's going to put up with us, we dishonor those that died that we may be free. When we take our flag and we dip it before the flags of other nations, we dishonor those that died that we may be made free. I don't know how many of you know the history of the American flag, but until President Bill Clinton, that flag never dipped in the presence of any other sovereign or any other nation on the face of the earth. It was always held high. It was never lowered in honor of any other person or any other nation. They call us arrogant. We call us Americans. But we have a president that bows in the presence of other sovereigns today. It's a dishonor to the history and the tradition of this nation. Let me tell you, the answer to this nation and its ills is not in the White House. It's not in the Congress. Never has been, never will be. If you want to do something for this country, if you love this country, if you, the most wonderful thing about being an American, you don't have to be born here. You can come from any nation on the face of the earth. If you follow the laws of this society, you can become an American. And whether you speak with an accent or not, you can be an American. In fact, it is many people who spoke hardly a word of English that actually allowed this nation to become a nation. Think of Kosciuszko. They named the bridge after him. I think of many that came, von Steuben and others, who made our nation a nation and gave us freedom. 
was de Tocqueville that said, in the 1820s, the secret to America's greatness is in her churches. The American people are a simple, God-loving people. They are good because they follow the principles of the Scriptures. And when America ceases being good, America will cease being great. Those words were spoken in the 1820s. De Tocqueville was not a prophet. He was a man that understood fact. There's a difference. Amen? So if you want to be a good American, be a good Christian. Follow the words of this Scripture. Sacrifice the things that you may want that our nation may live. That is the pursuit of happiness that was spoken about in the Declaration of Independence. It was not pursuing what I want. It was not finding those things which make me happy. It was building a society in which our children could live free. That is the pursuit of happiness. And the reason we have so much problems is we don't believe in that anymore. It is my country, tis of me, not of thee. Now, we just want to tie this thing together. You see, God has given us, as a church, what we call a memorial feast. It's called the Lord's Supper. That is a local church ordinance. It is to be celebrated amongst the members of that local church. That's why we do not open it up to just anyone who happens to show up. If you want to celebrate the Lord's death with our church, you must be willing to be a part of who and what we are as a church. 1 Corinthians 11.26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. The reason we show the Lord's death till He come is because once He comes, we won't have to show it anymore. The world will see the nail prints in His hands. I said the only thing in heaven made by man are the nail prints in His hands. I love that line. But that truth behind it is because of His love for us that He died in our place. Amen? How do we show the Lord's death? Well, we go back to the verse. This is what I mean by the Bible being a commentary on the Bible. Because I live, ye shall live also. You see, the Lord died to give us life. The life that we live must be lived in accordance with the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. While we were on the ship, one of the 
young lady, she was actually a firefighter on the ship, came up and said to me, your girls are all in skirts. Is that some kind of religious thing? And I said, well, yes, ma'am, we... Uh, we, we believe that a woman ought to dress modestly. She said, oh, that is so good. That's the way I was raised. But I, I don't live that way anymore. And she told me what church. She's actually from a, uh, I can't remember the exact type, but an apostolic holiness church or something like that. And I said, now here's the difference between our church. I said, we've gotten rid of all the traditions and all the things that were made up by man. And we're just with the Bible, nothing else. That's what makes us an independent Baptist church. Our only tradition is the Scriptures. And I was able to witness to her and give her a track and hoping she'd be here today. But, of course, when you're only in town for a few days, tours of duty and all that don't often allow that. But, listen, we want to live a life that when people look at us, they see Christ's work in it. That's how we show the Lord's death till He comes. Now, here's the question for today. Has your life showed the Lord's death this week? How have I honored the Lord? How have I honored His sacrifice on the cross to pay the price for my sins How have I honored that in the way that I've ordered my steps as I've walked through this week? I'll tell you, one of the ways is you've obeyed His Word. You're here this morning. Amen? But don't get too much patting yourself on the back yet. There's a lot more than just showing up in church that we honor the Lord. That's one of the ways. We allow the Lord to set our direction. I can't visit those ships and look at those Marines and all the other people on there. Of course, I'm a little fond of the Marine Corps for some strange reason, but I go back and sometimes I... What if I had pursued... Then it doesn't take long for me to realize if I were still in the Marine Corps, and I consider myself a young man still, and I'll be saying that when I'm 75, but the simple truth is with my eyesight and tendonitis and all these other little things that are just irritants in this life, I would not be able to serve. The Lord knew all about those things. But you see, that's something I wanted real bad. But I am so thankful. I did not give up anything 
to be a preacher of the gospel. I gained everything. I wouldn't trade my life, the life the Lord has given me, for anything else in this world. And I'm still astounded at what happened here last week, and I'm just overwhelmed and and uh, don't even know how to say thank you properly other than just to say thank you. And by God's grace, going to keep going. Because that's how we honor the Lord Jesus Christ. But living for Christ is not only for the preacher. It's for every member of the church. You say, but pastor, I got saved later in life. I didn't have those opportunities that you did. Well, listen, God understands when you would come to that point to where you would truly believe Jesus Christ is your Savior. God is not interested in what you could have done when you should have done it. He's interested in what you're going to do tomorrow. Amen? This is how we show the Lord's death till He comes. This is what He meant when He said, Because I live, ye shall live also. They called them Christians first at Antioch. Why did they call them Christians? Because their life so imitated Christ that that was the only way society at large knew how to define them. Today, the word Christian means totally something else. Outside the United States, the word Christian means not Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, or traditional religion. The Bible defines a Christian as someone who is Christ-like. The Bible tells us to walk worthy. That's how we show. How have we done that this week? How has Christ altered the way you behave that someone would look at your life and your response and who you are and what's going on in your life? How has Christ ordered your life that when someone looked at you, they could see Christ, not you? It's hard for me to preach sermons like this because when I look in the mirror before I preach it, I say, this is something that I need to work on. How many would say, yes, sir, preacher, that's something I need to work on? It's okay. You can raise your hand in church. You can admit it. If you can't be honest here, where will you be honest? That's my question. When we make life's decisions, do we let the Scripture make those decisions for us or do we make them on our own? I'm glad I let Scripture make my decisions in my life. It has brought the greatest blessings I have known. This is what the Apostle Paul said when he said that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Because I live, because Christ lives... We can live also. And let me tell you, living for Christ is the greatest life you can live. 
Do you want to honor Christ in what He has done for you? Let Him make your life's direction. Let Him carry the burdens. How many of you have worried about something this past week? Come on, raise your hands. If you're alive, you probably worried about something, did you not? When we worry about things, what are we actually doing? We are doubting God's ability to take care of the situation. Isn't that true? Is that sin? It most certainly is. I must let Christ carry the burden. You know what? Sometimes people say, you surely don't seem very concerned about some of these things. Well, let me tell you something. If Christ is carrying the burden, guess who isn't? Me. And if I'm not carrying the burden, then I cannot be crushed by its load. But also, my hands are free to serve Christ, to get something done. One in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout, right? No. Trust the Lord. Let Him carry... That's You want to show the Lord's death? He died that I might have life. He wants me to live, not for myself, but for Him. Let's go back to the book of Revelation. We'll look at one more verse. Revelation chapter 22. It says we're to show this, show the Lord's death till He come. It says, because I live, ye shall live also. Verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Jesus was giving testimony to John. He was showing him the things that are going to happen. He says that He is coming quickly. Amen? We do, do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus could come today? Even so come, Lord Jesus. The question is, are you ready? If Jesus were to come back today, are you ready? Would you be glad that you made the decisions that you made yesterday? If not, there's a place called an altar to ask God forgiveness for what happened yesterday and ask God for strength not to repeat it tomorrow. Amen? We are to live for the Savior. And as we live for the Savior, we'll also find out will be the greatest blessing to our society as a whole. And all God's people say, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning.
We ask now that you would help us to honor the sacrifice that you made for us. That we would honor that as you have put forth in your word, not by dying, but by being that living sacrifice, by dying to self, that we may live to you. We ask that you would work in our group today. Lord, you would help us to live this truth tomorrow and each day till you come back to get us. And once again, Lord, we want to bring forth those that may be here today and are not even saved. That, Lord, they would not leave this place with doubts and fears and worries, but they would allow us to open the Bible and show them how they may know their sins are forgiven and heaven is their home. We ask you to be honored and glorified during the time of invitation that not one of us would withhold from you that which is yours. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation, 301.